Okay. Hi. Great. All right. So, Adasa, can you read Revelations chapter 1? Let's read from verse 5 to, let's read from verse 5 to the end for now, and then later we'll break it down and talk about it, okay? Okay. Revelations 1, 5 to the end. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful and trustworthy witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who always loves us and who has once for all freed us or washed us from our sins by his blood, a sacrificial death, and formed us into a kingdom as his subjects, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the and the power and the majesty and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes, nations of the earth will mourn over him, realizing their sin and guilt and anticipating the coming wrath. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is existing forever and who was continuing existing in the past and who is to come. The Almighty, the Omnipotent, the ruler of all. I, John, your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patient endurance, which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos, exiled there because of my preaching of the word of God regarding eternal salvation and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit and special communication with the Holy Spirit and empowered to receive and record the revelation from Jesus Christ. On the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice, like the sound of a trumpet, saying, Write on a scroll what you see in this, in this revelation, and send it to the heaven, the seven churches of Ephesus, and to Samaria, and to per, Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, Sardis and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And after turning, I saw seven gold lampstands. And, and in the midst of the lamps, I saw someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching to his feet, and with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, glistening white like snow, and his all-seeing eyes were flashing like a flame of fire, piercing into my being. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in furnish, and his voice was powerful like the sound of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword of judgment, and his face reflected his majesty and the Shekinah glory was like the sun shining in all its power at midday. When I saw him, I fell to his feet as though dead, and he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the ever-living one. I died, but I but see I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades, the realm of the dead. So write the, the things which you have seen in the vision and the things which are now happening and the things which will take place after these things. 
As for mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels, divine messengers of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Amen. 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 Thank you, Hadassah. God bless you. So last week, we started from verse 1 to verse 5. And um, I was talking to you about how the book of Revelation uh, came about, uh, how Jesus received the vision from God the Father, and Jesus passed it on to his servants and um, through John. And so we're picking it up from there. Now, before we go on, just looking at verse 5 to verse 8. Okay, let's focus on verse 5 to verse 8. Um, Nick, could you just look at verse 5 to verse 8? Let's read that again, Nick. Just read from verse 5 to 8. And then we can discuss that and then move on to the next session. And from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, Amen. Yeah, up to eight. Okay, okay. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Still to come, the Almighty One. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. Um, so I want to ask a question. Looking up from verse 5 to verse 8, what do you think the coming of Jesus will be like. Looking at verse 5 to verse 8. And um, Beverly, I want, I want to call you to, to try and answer this question. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would need a, um, a little help, please answering the question how, how do you what do you know about the coming of jesus how is it going to be like um it's going to be a surprise for the <laughs> unbelievers for those who are not for those who do not like know about it like i guess it's going to be a surprise for them it's going to be a surprise okay that's true then uh, if you look at verse 7 it says everyone will see him so if everyone will see him, how is that a surprise? Pastor, I don't know. Yeah. How is it a surprise if everyone's going to see him? Yeah. I have no idea. Can yeah. Irina can help me. Okay. Thanks for volunteering, Irina. Um, I think when she says surprise, she means like they didn't know, even though they're going to see him, they didn't know previously that that was going to happen. So when it does happen, it's like more of a shock. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So you see, so something happens, you didn't know it was going to happen and then you see him and then you're surprised. I get that. That's, that's true. Who else? What What do you think? Looking at verse 5 to verse 8, what is there in those verses that jumps at you? Every, ev everyone fully understands those verses? Yeah. 
So Jesus is a faithful witness, first to rise from the dead, ruler of the kings of the world. He has made a kingdom of priests for God his Father. Look, he is coming with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Who wants to talk about those verses? The pastor, are we just saying what we, we got from it? Yeah. Okay. Well, it says, um, um, it says, uh, when he comes from the clouds of heaven, everyone's going to see him and even those who pierced him. So I guess that's talking mm-hmm. about the people who, um, basically the people who persecuted him. Well, yeah, people who persecuted, um, yeah, Jesus, and they didn't believe in him. Mm. And they and they they will they will see him, and it says they will cry or they will mourn for him. So who, those people, I mean, I I have a question in my mind, and maybe Pastor Cheryl can help because uh, she knows the Bible more than I do. Debatable. <laughs> Um, all the nations of the world will mourn for him, and then it, specify, it specifies even those who pierced him. I mean, from a general sense, the question I have is, who are those people who will who will mourn for him? And, and at what time is, is this event? Because the question in my mind is, and, and that's the first question, um, was it Beverly that talked about it, that it's going to be a surprise. If it's going to be a surprise, now it's saying every eye will see him. And I get the explanation Irina was giving that it's a surprise and every eye will see him because they didn't expect to see him and then he just shows up. But then somewhere, we all know the conversation about the rapture and how it's going to be secret and we're not going to, you're not going to see. Jesus said two people will be standing in the field. One will be taken and the other will be left. So it's like, you won't see it, right? You, you Before you realize in the twinkling of an eye, we're gone. So if that is the case. And in this verse, he's saying every eye will see him. Is it not contradicting itself? And if not, how do we break it down? Anyone wants to try? Put it this way. Theologians debate over this one. I think Pastor Cyril and I could debate over this one. So whatever your answer is, it probably fits in somewhere. So hazard a guess. (laughs) (laughs) Right, There's no right or wrong answer, guys. We're just studying the Bible together. Who wants to try? Beverly, is Michaela with you? No, she's not. I saw- Michaela, okay. come. She's here now. Just <laughs> <laughs> answer a question. Yeah, Michaela, we have a question here. I'm hoping you can help us. Oh, okay. So we're reading Revelations chapter 1, verse 7. And then it's saying, Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone, everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Right? And, and the question is, I mean, we know about the rapture, how the rapture is secret, nobody will see, except those who are being raptured. Jesus said two will be in the field, one will be taken, the other will be left. So the rapture is secret, right? So not everyone will see. Um when the rapture happens, they'll just realize it that people have vanished. And now he's saying in this verse that he's come over the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him. So how do we reconcile the the two? Hmm, that's a very interesting question actually. Um well we all know that the rapture like the only like the people of God really know what's going on, right? But I guess like it's not gonna be a quiet thing, like God 
when Jesus comes, everybody's going to know he's here, you know what I mean? Like, it's just only us who understand what's going on, I guess, right? I don't know. I just think, you know, it's like um, an understanding kind of thing. Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's like you get it, but you don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the challenge. Um, everyone, everyone who will be raptured will see him. Yeah, for sure that we get it. How about the unbelievers who will not even know, have no clue. They'll just know it, it vanished. What is this scripture talking about? Pastor Shari, you want to help us? <laughs> this is where it's interesting. Here's my understanding of it. Rapture happens. Uh, trumpet sounds. We hear it. Christians are gone. Life happens on earth for another seven years. Tribulation sucks. Then Jesus comes back with all of his glory. Everybody sees him. So that's my understanding of it. It's actually talking about the time when Jesus physically comes back. So rapture is, yeah, we're meeting Jesus in the air. We're meeting him in heaven. Like when it, in an instant, we'll be with him in heaven. But I think here it's like, okay, tribulation is done. Jesus is coming back. This is the end of time. There is now no more time after this. It's, it's done. It's eternity after this one. So that's my understanding of it. And again, there are even theologians argue about this, right? Some people say, even Pentecostals, some say, okay, well, that mean, maybe at rapture, we go up into heaven or we go up like partway, meet Jesus, and then come back down with him to earth and everybody sees him then at once. And so maybe that happens at the end of the tribulation. And so maybe then Christians have to go through the tribulation. So there's, there's a whole bunch of different takes on it, which is why I was saying you could say anything because we don't entirely know. This is our best understanding of it from what we have all over the Bible. But from my understanding and the traditional Pentecostal view over the past hundred years has been, okay, rapture happens. Yeah. The unbelievers aren't going to see it. They're not really going to understand anything that's happening unless they've been told by a Christian ahead of time. Tribulation happens, and then Jesus is coming back. Everybody sees him, and oh my goodness, it's too late. <laughs> does that make sense? Yes, it does. It really does. Thanks, Pastor Cheryl. Now, everyone on the call, we're, we're, we're discussing this, okay? So please jump in with a question here or there. I'm just going to reiterate what Pastor Cheryl explained so that we can have the discussion going. So she's explaining it um, that two school of thought, right? One, one is the, the view which we all hold as Pentecostals in the POAC that the rapture will happen before the tribulation and the rapture is secret. No one will see, only those who are being raptured. The world will be taken by surprise. They'll just see that people are missing and then we'll be gone, be with Jesus. And then there'll be that seven year period of the great tribulation. And then after the seven year period, we are coming down with Jesus in the clouds of heaven. And that's when the whole world who was here um, and went through the tribulation, they would see us coming with Jesus in the clouds of heaven. Right? So that's, that's our position. Now, there's that, this other group um, who believe in the post-tribulation who also would explain it and say, well, the rapture won't happen until after we have all gone through the great tribulation. And when Jesus is coming, at the end of the tribulation, we'll be raptured, meet with him in the, in the air, and then come down again with him to the earth for the next events to happen, which we'll talk about as we go through the book of Revelation. What are your thoughts there? Any question? Come on, guys. You guys are awfully quiet. If we were in the youth church, you'll all be talking, yaddy, 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 and then I'll, I'll keep screaming, quiet, quiet. Okay. Um. Hello. Yes, Apostle Ben. Ah, uh, yeah. And, um, sorry, I came in late. I came in late because I was doing something with Bacchus. Sorry for that. Okay. okay. But if I, I can recall, all you guys were talking about verse 7, right? Oh, yeah, verse yes. 7. Okay. Yeah. Um, behold, he, behold, he's calling. He's coming with clouds. Okay. Um, 
from to my understanding, I see this as a picture. Um, he was drawing a picture of the incident, and the incident will be like there will be no excuse. There will be no excuse whether the believer or, or, or the unbeliever. Everybody will experience it, but it will take the believer to understand it. And it will also take the um, believer to differentiate between the moment and where it's going to or how um, it will end. But the unbeliever will, will see something coming on. So I, I, I try a question to people that, uh, to the youth, I see you that, um, have you ever asked an unbeliever or when you're evangelizing, have you asked him about, does he know something about Christ? Does he know um, something about um, the rapture? Like their idea about it. Because this picture tells us that when we are going out to preach the gospel, we should first make them know like how um, their end will, will, um, will, will seem to be when they come into Christ. And this, also, this um, verse made us to know that as Christians, our, our core mandate will end over here because then, then we are going to meet our, 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 how do you call it, sorry to say, we are going to meet Jesus Christ and God during this time as Pentecostals and also as, as believers. This is where our core mandate will reward us as, as Christians. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Apostle Ben. So let me just rephrase what Ben is, is saying there, that the message of the coming of Jesus is one of the strongest messages we have when we're talking to other people about Christ. And, and it's important for us to emphasize it whenever we are talking to people so they can see what is ahead. And I, I think if I'm paraphrasing what Ben was saying, um, that, that is what he's putting forward. I think that's very um, important. Like for all of us, as we see what is happening, we begin to ask ourselves questions. What is coming to our world? What's, what's the world going to end like? And so I think it's an interesting or important point of conversation as we talk to people. All right, we're gonna go on. Thank you all so, so far. Um, I'll have someone else to read the scripture. Um, who will that be? Let me say, Emmanuel Ampon. Can you read Revelations chapter one? Let's read from verse nine to verse 16. Sorry, what's the verse again? From verse 9 to verse 16. And, and as he reads, let's all pay attention and um, any questions or comments, uh, we, we'll talk about that right after he finishes. You got it, Emmanuel? Whilst he's getting ready, please make sure you append your Bible to Revelation chapter 1. We're reading verse 9 to verse 16 now. Okay, go ahead, Ima. Revelation chapter 9, verse 9 to... Revelation chapter, chapter 1, verse 9 to 16. Vision of the Son of Man. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in the book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Tyra, Sardis, 
Philadelphia and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ima, for reading. We just read Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 to 16. Before I ask any questions, I want to take questions from, from you guys. Any comments from verses 9 to 16? Yeah, Pastor, what are the the seven lampstands? Lampstands, what do they um represent? What do the seven lampstands represent? That's good question. Actually, if we we haven't read it yet, but um they talked about it in verse 20. So why don't you read verse 20? Jump to verse 20. Let's read it and then we can answer that question. Okay. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands of the seven churches. Right. So now, so to answer your question, um, what are the seven lampstands? As it says there, those are the seven churches. And which seven churches is he referring to? Do you know? Um, the... The one that uh, Paul wrote the letters to. I mean, not Paul, sorry, John. John, right. right. That's, so if you look at verse 11 of Revelation chapter 1, it talks about writing a book, everything you see, and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And um, next week, God willing, we'll go through chapter 2 and... Um, the following week, probably chapter three, if we're able to do both chapters, great. But there's very good content in there about Jesus' letters to those seven churches. So maybe I'll, I'll ask a question on, on your question in terms of those seven churches. I mean, these are churches who were in Ephesus at the time. Why is it important for us if those if, if Jesus specifically was speaking to those seven churches? Why is it important for us to worry about it? We're not those seven churches. I mean, we're a living word in Hamba Summit in Toronto. We're not in the Bible here. Why is it why does it matter to us? Yes, who wants to? wants to take a shot at it because if you critically look at it yeah um well um later when you actually read the letters like there's certain flaws um mm -hmm. in some of the churches but i think for us as a church we should examine them like it's meant for us to examine them so that we don't make those same flaws that those churches made mm -hmm. okay like flaws so certain mistakes certain things they were doing that wasn't right we can examine it yeah. for ourselves and then be better. Now, that's very wise. Thanks, Irina. That's uh -huh. really, really wise because you know, somebody said something that I, I like. He said, um, the first fool is not a fool. It's the second fool who is a fool, right? And what they're trying to say is that we all make mistakes. We're human, right? So if you miss it, that's okay. But if you were watching someone miss it, and then you, so if I'm walking ahead and I, you see me fall into a hole, and you saw me and you're following me, and you also go ahead and step into the hole, then it means you didn't learn from my example. So good, good points there. It was written to those seven churches, but it holds relevance to us. Another thing that um, theologians have also said, 
is that if you look critically at those seven churches, they, they also stand for or represent all the different types of Christians that there are, but then also the different ages that the church has been through, the different seasons that the church has been through. Some, some believe that right now, we are in the last stage, which is the Laodicean church, where we are the lukewarm um, church. But that's, that's what they say. I think the key point for us is what can we learn from each of these? Because if I look into my own life, I mean, I can identify with all the rebukes that are in all those um, letters to all those churches, right? So it's not just one that I would say, oh, this one only applies to me. I think looking at it from every one of them, we can learn from it. Any question from verse 9 to 16 or comment? Question or comment? Okay. Um. Yes, Ben. Yeah, please. Um. Okay. I was trying to ask a question in verse ten. You see, okay. I was in the spirit, and I, I, we, I, we, um, I'm, I'm asking a question now that um, during these trying times, or what are we using? Uh, how do you call it? Our um, leisure time to do, what are we using uh, like our spaces to do, our data to do, our our time, it, it, our time in general to do. Hmm. So, so let me restate the question. Um, John was actually, it's a very good question because we're in quarantine, John was also in quarantine really um, on an island. He said, I was, I was on, a, on the island of Patmos, exiled, right? I was exiled to the verse, that's verse 9. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. So, I mean, you guys know what exile means, right? Where they send you away from everybody, just be alone somewhere by yourself. And I think that's what we all are in right now right we are we are exiled to our various homes and um ben your question is john appeared to be doing something with that time when he was alone what are we doing with our time is that your question yes please yes please Okay, maybe maybe I'll ask you to tell us first what you are doing with your time. <laughs> then we can learn, Ben. Oh, okay. Um, I still go to work though, but I still um, I'm I'm currently offering two courses online. So at least even as we are talking now, I'm still working on a project now. Okay, so so you're studying. Yeah. You're studying and then you are working. Okay. Was there something in particular that John is that John did that we feel made him hear God's voice? That maybe we can look at doing too. Okay, okay. Um, with um, because of our time, let, let's make it simple. Because um, during this fine time, um, people tend to talk a lot. And also, I uh, would um, with uh, some of us as you, you know, we are not familiar with staying home too long and everything. But this is the time for us to reconnect to God, and God to speak to us directly, to equip us directly. Okay, this is the time for us to connect to God, for God to speak to us directly. Is it possible for us as young people to hear God's voice directly? Um, and that's a question for everyone. Uh, this one, I throw, I throw this question to, um, let's, let's guess, let's guess, Isaac Ampon. 
Okay. <laughs> Isaac, are you on the call? Okay, we don't see Isaac on. Who who has heard directly from God and can share their experience with us? Are you talking about like um audible or like through signs and stuff? Yeah, not 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 audible. Uh, through any means that you heard and you knew that this was God speaking to you. It's testimony time. Mm -hmm. One sentence testimony time. Okay. Um. Well, for me, I guess like on YouTube, like on social media, like if I'm thinking of something, like if I scroll, like the next post will be direct related to something you know I asked or whatever uh-huh uh-huh yeah that happens a lot so it's like you were thinking about something or you had a question on your mind and you just chance upon something on social media or YouTube that's just directly speaking to what you had in your mind that, that's what you're saying right yep yeah, I can, I can, I can identify with that. Oftentimes, God speaks to us through other people, right? And and in, as you, as you point out, those other people could be people around us, or people on social media, or some video, or something that pops your way, and it's just addressing exactly what you had on your mind. Now, how? When John heard the voice, how could he be sure that that voice was God's voice and that it wasn't the devil trying to deceive him, you know? What, what, what do you guys think? How, how, how did he know that this was God and not the devil? Um, I think maybe, like, for example, like, if it aligns with the word of God, like, then you'll be like, it's God or the devil, because the devil would probably say something like that is obviously against God's word, but he would say it in a way that sounds like God. So mm. you just need to know the word of God. Okay. You need to know the word of God so you can compare what you're hearing to God's word. Yep. That's one sure way to, to discern. Um, God's voice. Thanks, Beverly. Who else? Who else? I mean, we have that young guy coming to propose to you that um, I think you're beautiful or the young girl is saying you're handsome and you're wondering is this from God or not? How would you figure that out? <laughs> Because I don't think I'll find a verse in the Bible that says Adra Mansa is the right person. So there are those instances where, in addition to what Beverly has talked about, there are those instances where it's everyday life thing. How do you know it's God's voice? Um, maybe it's like I don't know, like the whole the Holy Spirit will probably tell you something like, yo, this is God telling you. Like let's say like for example, like of the husband one, let's say you were praying for like a husband and two people come, but like one of them is like exactly what you prayed for. Like saying like, you know, God would obviously do something that you want have him in it as well, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So I guess yeah, like but... it would it would be like pardon? 
No, no, I was going to give an example of what, what some may be praying for, like somebody who is tall and... Um, okay, no, God. but they're not going to give all that. Like, God would give someone that you need as well as a little bit of what you want. Like, come on, like... Like what? <laughs> what, what is that a little bit of what you want? Really? Can you explain? <laughs> because if I'm praying for a tall man that is God-fearing, God is going to give me a God-fearing man, obviously. Maybe he's going to bring add some more spices to it. But he's probably gonna give my main thing like a tall man, like hopefully. Okay. But, but let's say, let's say, let's say it's like someone who is exactly what you wanted, but he's just like missing one flaw. Like I'm pretty sure you would know that, like yo, God did this because I'm pretty sure the devil would probably give you everything that you wanted, probably like minusing out like God fearing or something like that. You get what I'm saying? I get what so you're probably, saying. It'd probably be easier to like you know in marriage, I guess. Right. No, good, good, good uh, contribution there, Beverly. It's amazing how we have what we want, you know, and, and we're to ask God for those. So very, very good contribution there. Um, I want to take some more, more thoughts. Pastor please feel free to, to jump in. But I'd love more to hear that. On that. I mean, we can ask all the questions we want, but you guys wanted to do this study, so I'm, I'm interested to hear your questions. Right. Wait, does it have to be on this chapter? Yeah, kind of. You know, when we finish this chapter, and particularly we finish chapters one, two, three, once we mm -hmm. get into four, to the end, it's like you, you really can't limit it to a chapter because it's it's a chunk of events, right? So you may be jumping from chapter to chapter, but within from chapters one to three, I want us to get some meat from there to be the foundation. And then when we get into chapter four going, we'll then look at the whole end time events. Because I know you guys all have questions. You just want to go straight into the whole thing. Um, when is Jesus coming? And what are we going to do when the rapture happens? Who is going to get raptured? Who is the Antichrist? And uh, we're going to have one world government. And I know you have all those questions. And, and I know you want us to get jump straight into that. But um, I think there was an intent that God had in laying out the book of Revelation, the way it's laid out, that he didn't just jump straight into those. So let's... Um, look at chapter one today we'll look at chapters two and three and then after we'll get into um, all those topical conversations from the other chapters okay if that is okay with you guys all right well let's bring let's bring closure to to that conversation in terms of how to know god's voice um that ben ben raised i think what beverly was sharing with us is, is key, the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, you, you have to know and develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit to know how he speaks to you, right? Because the way the Holy Spirit will speak to me will be different from the way he'll speak to you because we're, we're wired differently. We're different people, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we see John, he's hearing a loud voice, like a trumpet blast, Right, he, he's he's hearing something very audible, right? But you may hear a gentle whisper, or you may have a dream, or like um, Irina was sharing a video somewhere. And God speaks to us all differently. It's how you develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is a daily walk, right? It's a daily thing. If if you if you are not intentional in developing that relationship with the Holy Spirit, you will miss a lot of the things God is trying to tell you because God is always speaking to us. It's like right now, as we're talking, God is speaking to you, right? But if you're not very intentional in knowing how he speaks to you, you will always miss it. Um, and I think it's important, especially in these last days, that we train ourselves to hear God's voice. Okay. So, now, before we get into the other verses, there are descriptions of, um, from verse 9 to 16, it talks about a description of Jesus. And I want to ask a question because of something that's out there. Um, he's describing how Jesus looked, right? 
he's standing in the middle of the lampstands and how the color of his hair, the color of his eyes, and um, the color of his feet, and all of those. And so I don't know how many of you have come across those um, black Hebrew Israelites or those kind of groups where they've drawn a picture of Jesus and saying, yeah, this is how Jesus looks like, right? And that picture of Jesus, they're getting the description all from this book of this chapter one here, this portion of scripture where it's describing that Jesus has white hair, his eyes are like fire. So if you, if you see that image, his hair is white, his eyes are like something burning, right? And um, then his face is black because it says that his feet is like bronze that's burnt in the fire. So bronze, they're thinking is brown. And so if, it's, if your feet color is brown, then likely your face is, is going to be that way. So my question is, what do you, what, what's your comment on that? Is that how Jesus would look like based on the scripture or is there, is there reason for them to make that explanation of this scripture? Sorry, Pastor, what was the question? So, in um, the verse 9 to 16 that we read, you see there's a description of how Jesus looked like, right? John was describing how he saw him, how he looked like. Yeah. And some group of people have taken that and said, look, this is how Jesus looks like, and they've drawn him. And speaking particularly about the black Hebrew Israelites, I don't know if you are familiar with them. Yeah, yeah. Right, where they have a picture of this is how Jesus looks like, and uh, everybody else is wrong. What do you have to say about that? Um, I don't know. I feel like they're misinterpreting it because right here it says, "Oh, what does it say?" Since his head was, his hair was white like wool. And as white as snow, his eyes were like flames of fire. Like, I feel like these mm -hmm. descriptions were just like more symbolic than, than actually being what he's saying. Because if his eyes were, how are his eyes going to look like flames? Like, that, that, I don't think mm. that's an actual description. Like, it doesn't make sense. So I think it's more symbolic than like literal. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very, very good point. Who, who else thinks otherwise? Anybody thinks otherwise? Um, uh, if you remember, uh -huh. go ahead. I agree, but then, um, like you said last week, um, like we don't have enough words to describe like the way God is, so he put it in his best words. But yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Who was that? Vanessa. Oh, Vanessa. Good to hear your voice. Are you with Lorna? Yeah, she's here. Hi, Lorna and Shemuel. Hi. Good, good, good. Okay, so you raise that you you your your point is very valid in terms of he may even not have the best words to describe God, right? So this is the best that he could describe as far as the language he had with him, right? So that's why he says it was like. He doesn't say that. Let's let's look at verse nine to sixteen again. First, it, it talks about his voice, and then verse voice in verse ten. It says his voice is like a trumpet blast, right? And then. He was wearing a long robe with a golden sack. His hair was white like wool, white as snow. So you see, he's making comparisons. And then his feet were like bronze refined in the fire. His voice sounded like, right? So it's, he's making comparisons because um, to your point, Vanessa, he, this is the best, 
in his language that he could describe. It doesn't necessarily mean this, this is a mirror description of how he looked like. So that's a good point. And with what Nick, you also saying, that it's symbolic. If you actually remember last week, one of the very first things, which is why it's important we, we settle on this foundation that the book of Revelation in verse number one and number two, Jesus talked about how it's supposed to signify, right? It's a, it's, it's a symbolic thing. So many of the things we are going to go through, it represents something. And that's why the letter to the seven churches is actually also speaking to us because it's also representing something. So in terms of the description of how Jesus looked, all those descriptors describe something. For instance, his hair being white is a description or a representation of his wisdom, right? And his eyes like flames of fire is symbolic of how he sees everything. He sees even the things that are hidden, right? In the inward part. So if you, if you look at um, the letters to the seven churches, there are some that he will talk about um, how that he sees the things that other people don't see in their lives, right? And, and so forth and so on. Um, I don't know, Pastor Shirley, if you want to add something to that before we move to the last section. Yeah, I think you guys are bang on with what, what we're talking about. Yeah, it all, it all symbolizes something because nobody knows exactly what, what God looks like every time that he shows up to somebody in the Bible or that they are able to see something of God. It's always just a slightly little bit different, but it's always the same in some ways. And so, yeah, to see it as maybe God, maybe Jesus does have white hair. <laughs> Who knows? To say that with like a, a definitive, I'd hesitate. But yeah, to say, okay, people who have white hair, I mean, that, that represents wisdom, right? They've lived for a long time. They've seen a lot of things. And so all of these things, I mean, especially when you come to a sharp two-edged sword that came from his mouth, maybe there's a sword that's coming straight out of Jesus' mouth. I don't know how he talks with that. But uh, yeah, that, so I mean, the, this is like the word of God. When, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he says, you know, the word of God penetrates between, you know, joint and marrow, between soul and spirit. You know, it gets right in there, kind of like a, it's like a double-edged sword. And so a lot of people think then that the, the two-edged sword that's coming from Jesus' mouth here, and then again in Revelation 19, which we'll get to, who knows when, um, <laughs> it's that idea of the, the word that comes from Jesus, the, you know, the, the words of God. So, yeah, I think you guys are bang on with, with what you're thinking about this. Right. Awesome. Thanks, uh, Mr. Cheryl. So now let's look at verse 17 to the end. And um, let's have, Vanessa, let's, let's have you read for us so we can hear your voice more. Revelations chapter 1 from verse 17 to verse 20. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if, as though, as though dead. Okay, as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and, and hate. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will, what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in the right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars and the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Amen. 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 Thank you, Vanessa. So just um, looking at this portion of scripture, what questions do you have in your mind or any comment? Yes.
anyone with a question or a comment, looking at verse 17 to verse 20. All right, I have a question for you guys then. Verse 18, when Jesus says that he holds the keys of death and Hades, or death and the grave, depending on what your translation says, what do you think that means? What, what, why is that significant that Jesus said, I died, look, I'm alive forever and ever. Great, we know that story just last weekend. I hold the, de- the keys of death and the grave. What do you think that means? Oh, I think it shows that he has power over death and other grief. Power, okay. Anybody else? Um, I think it means that um, like Jesus conquered death, basically. So now he has like power over it, kind of. If you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, totally. That, that same kind of idea, of power, like Nick said, and yeah, conquering, definitely. Any other ideas? Um, one thing I think it means is that. He has the keys to the dead. He has the keys to the grave. So those who die before the rapture, um, they can come back and he has control over all of them. Control. Uh, yeah, I was hoping that, that somebody would pick up on that one. Yeah, control over it, right? He's And death comes up a whole bunch in the book of Revelation. Death eventually is thrown into the lake of fire itself in, in Revelation 20, which is confusing. It's like death itself dies. But yeah, exactly. Jesus has control over this thing, which is shown in the fact that he came back to life again, right? Like he, I mean, God has control over who has life, who has death, at what point they have life and at what point they have death and, and life after death and all of that too. So yeah, great answers, guys. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Cheryl. Uh, and, and, and thanks to all of you who contributed. Um, am I still on? I think I yep. am. Okay, great. You're good. Um, I have another question uh, in the verse 17. He said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. Why? Why Why? Why is he Jesus and fall down as, as dead? Um, I think it's because he was amazed by him. He was amazed, as in, like, overwhelmed? Um, I think so. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's very, very possible. Sometimes you, you see someone and you're blown away, kind of. What do you think? Why, why did he fall down as dead? So, like, you could say he fainted. Because of his glory and presence. That's amazing. Because of his glory and presence. Because of his glory and presence. That's amazing. That's that's both both answers. That's right on. Um, if you remember John, this is John, the the disciple of Jesus, right? The young man whom Jesus loved. When Jesus was on earth, if if you guys recall, John was the beloved disciple that was laying his head in Jesus' bosom, right? Very close to Jesus. It was really close. So close that when Jesus said, one of one of the disciples will betray me, they all were afraid to even ask who would betray. And they, they kind of asked John, you ask him. Because he was, he was the closest to Jesus of all the disciples. And it's amazing that the same person sees Jesus now glorified in his glory. And wouldn't even think about going to put my head in his bosom, but falls down at his feet as dead. Um, I think that should really inform us the glory of the God we are serving. Uh, that Jesus was so glorious, he left all, came down on earth to live as a normal human being so that people like John could interact and put their head in his bosom. 
but when he finishes what he's done for us, which is die on the cross for us, and he gets back into his glory, he's so glorified, full of glory, so overwhelming that um, when John sees the same person, he now falls down at his feet as dead. And I think that should really inform us, all of us, in our approach to God, when any time it comes to worship, you know, sometimes you can get so familiar with God as to lose your respect and reverence for him. But let's not forget that, yeah, he's brought himself down to our level, but still he is so great that God who created the whole world, we still have to remember that and reverence him when we get into worship. Um, any question or comment? Before we wrap up here. Okay, it's 8.25. So what I want to do before we bring it to an end is to give an overview of how the rest of the um, sessions and chapters, how we're going to look at it and, and go through it. Um, now we're done with chapter one. We're going to go into chapters two and three, um, beginning next week. Uh, if everything goes very well, we can finish two and three next week, but I'm hoping not because I'm anticipating you guys will bring more questions. So what I'll ask that you do is to take some time this week and read Revelations chapter two and chapter three. Okay, because sometimes some of the conversations in chapter two may be linked to some of the points in chapter three. So it'd be good to, let's plan to look at the two chapters, but then we'll let the conversations flow next week. Okay, and I have Pastor Cheryl leading those two chapters next week, chapters two and three, but we won't, we won't by all means try to finish all next week. We'll just let the conversations follow. And then once we're done with two and three, when we, when we hit chapter four, we get into all the meaty part of the whole book of Revelation, chapter four, all the way to chapter 19. Um, and then later I'll look at 21 and 22. But all the way from four to 19, there is a whole chunk sometimes in, the, in, the, in that portion, the events that are described are not in the order that it will occur sometimes events that will happen sooner are described in later chapters. And so we'll look at a whole chunk of chapters together and describe events as they happen. Okay, so we'll, for instance, pick for discussion the event of the rapture, right? And then we'll look at the event of the tribulation and what will happen during that time. And so all those chapters that apply, we would um, read ahead. That way you can have questions when we come to talk about it. Sounds good, guys? Yes, sir. Okay. So what, what I'll re request is um, this week, as you read Revelations 2 and 3, please, if you have any questions, send them to um, Beverly or Irina so that they can funnel it down to myself our Pastor Cheryl, okay, so we can prepare ahead and get ourselves ready for those. Now, remember, it's a discussion, so I will really will be looking forward to you guys talking and bringing up points for conversation, okay? God bless you all um, for this time. I want us to pray before we bring it to a close. Um, I don't know what it is that you may be going through or your family may be going through. This is a difficult time. We want to trust God to still sustain us by his power. Okay, so let's, let's close our eyes as we enter into prayer. Except somebody has any question or comment before we pray. Okay, let's close our eyes in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for this time in your presence as we've looked into your word. We've discovered how glorious you are and how that you gave the same glory to your son, Jesus Christ, who left it all, emptied himself of it all, and came and lived on earth 
to die a shameful death just for us so that we also could become your children, that we also can call you our father. We're so grateful for this love that you showed us. Lord, we pray as we are on a journey to know more of you and to build a stronger relationship with Jesus. Help us not to lose our reverence for Jesus. Help us to, to behold him in his glory and worship him. Dear Lord Jesus, we ask as we walk through this revelation that you gave to your servants, open our understanding and help us. Now we pray for everyone on the call, every home that is represented. These are difficult moments, Lord. It is only your grace that sustains us. So your word says we are kept by your power. So I pray for this same grace for every youth that is on the call now and their families that they represent. And even those who couldn't join us, I pray for them in the name of Jesus. Oh, dear Lord Jesus, you will be gracious to us, that you'll be very near us during this time, Lord, that you help us to feel your presence, to know that you are right there where we are, as you promised that I will never leave you nor forsake you. When we go through questions in our mind and things that we have no answer for, Lord, I pray that we will feel your closeness when we lie on the bed and we're alone in the room that you will manifest yourself to us and help us to know that we are loved and that we belong to you. I ask for your protection upon everyone on this call. Cover us with your blood. Mark us. Exempt us from evil. Keep us from the evil one. In the name of Jesus Christ, if there are any that are not feeling well or anyone in the home that is not feeling well, through this means, I pray and I speak healing into the home right now. On the authority of the name of Jesus, I command healing and I, I rebuke every spirit of infirmity. I command you to leave that home now in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the children of God be set free and released to pursue after God in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you have given us this authority and not one word that has been declared will fall to the ground. Thank you that you've heard our prayer and that we will know your closeness this week more than ever before. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. We ask Pastor Shara to bless us in a benediction whilst we close. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God turn his face toward you and fill you with his grace. As we go out from this place, let's keep in mind, as Pastor Cyril was saying, how holy God is, how majestic and powerful Jesus is, and how amazing it is that we get to have a relationship with him. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless Amen. you, everyone. Thank you for joining. Next week, please do your best to invite a friend. Uh, and remember to read the chapters 2 and 3. God bless you. Bye-bye. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.